Hi, this is Teresa with Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. We are featuring today my co-host and special guest, McKenna Zamorano from Fresno, California, sophomore at Fresno State, California. In this podcast, we are talking about the miseducation of our youth, how we want to gain our rights in ethnic studies, and we want to change the status quo. So tune in, go to latinasb2b.com and enjoy this episode. So today we have a special guest, my niece, who is also a co-host that will be joining me throughout many of these episodes. Her name is McKenna Zamorano from Fresno, California. Hi. Hello. Hi. (laughs) She's starting school at Fresno State. She is a sophomore. And we are going to talk about school, back to school and education. And that's a really hot topic these days. And being from Fresno, California, I'm glad to see there is some political action going on there uh, with Dolores Huerta and standing up for the caretakers' rights down in the Central Valley. She is 89 years old, folks, 89. She's been protesting since the early 60s for the farm workers. She is the baddest chingona out there, and she is always advocating for the the workers' rights. And I think that's very important in this day and age, given that even though we may not be in the fields anymore because we have been benefited from a lot of our ancestors giving us, you know, a leg up to where we are. But what we also realize from her being arrested is that she still believes in the power of unity and coming together as a community to fight for what's right. And that is we get a living wage that we can live on. So we will return to that in just a minute, but I want to turn it over to my niece because right now that's a hot topic is ethnic studies. Why is ethnic studies so important? Well, because we're ethnic. (laughs) And I say that in jest, but it's in all seriousness. We have been fighting for ethnic studies in the education system for such a long time. We barely get it in college universities, and let alone has it been trickling down into the K through 8 uh, history or so, uh, history classes or social uh, sciences or even uh, some of the anthropology classes. You, it's only until you get to college and if there is an ethnic studies program that it's actually uh, in existence. So coming from Fresno, California and bringing that context into light with Dolores Huerta, I want my niece to talk about what she has done Uh, in her college years just recently, and I wanted to share her experience about a Chicano studies class at Fresno State, correct? Correct. All right, so let's uh, let's hear your side of things and what brought you to say, uh, this is, it's not real for me. I guess it was my first year, it was my first semester, I took a Chicano studies class. Honestly, attendance was just kind of a joke. Well, I mean, I really didn't have to attend because I just, it was laid out that, you know, you turn in your two papers uh, that have to do with the class and, you know, as long as they're good, you'll pretty much get an A and you pass the tests. Well, I wasn't always passing the test, but I sure as heck passed those papers and I got an A in the class, but I didn't really remember like actually 
learning a whole lot from that class. It was just kind of very tidbit. Like I knew more from my outside life, like in my family life because of my grandfather and because of you and because of just my family in general. I knew way more than what that class has ever taught wow. me. And was he a lot? She, I should say she. Uh, no, it was a he. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was cool. He was a cool professor. Was he a Latino? Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. He was a cool person. I just think that it, like the things he taught weren't very essential to the culture itself, I feel like. It was just very like brief synopsis of things. Like a broad brush of here's some historical facts or was it... Tell me what would have excited you in the curriculum to engage the classroom and actually probably for you to learn more and to take the tests better? I don't know. I'm, I think I it would just suggest why just, you didn't take the test. You are a college student. I understand. I took the test. I just didn't really pass them because what he taught was just not, I don't know. It was way different from like readings or from like his lectures and it was just weird. And there was like not really a study guide. Um, but anyways, there wasn't a study guide. Well, it, there, he would have a class where like a he, syllabus, you mean there was no syllabus? No, there was a syllabus. Study guides are a bit different where they kind of give you like, here are some possible things that are going to be on the test and what you should look out and study for. It was more like show up to class the week before the test and I'll review some of the things that we that will be on the test and then usually it would just be off topic or not it would be stuck in one section of what would be on the test instead of like going over everything why do you think chicano studies were implemented into fresno state one and the second thing what do you think would have made it engaging for you knowing what you know and we have a leg up just because of our family background and all the social work our family does but what do you think would have made it more inviting and engaging to the other students including yourself that were in the classroom was it because and maybe I'm seating you here for an answer (laughs) but was it because you know more than other folks or tell me why it was boring or so there's two questions, right? Um, so I'll, I'll address the first question of like why there's an ethnic studies uh, section at Fresno State. I think it's there just to kind of get people to uh, open up to a new culture, especially because Fresno State is a very, very highly dense um, agricultural, like populated school, I would say. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ag people there. And as we know, people who are in ag tend to mostly be white and so, you mean the agricultural yeah. arena and you know that's a great topic to talk about because why are they the landowners still right yeah let's uh, let's not get too off topic though let me oh, answer all these questions oh, off road. <laughs> going off road going okay. off road coming back coming back <laughs> gotta got reel you back in um no i think it's just to <laughs> offer i think it's just to offer students on campus more um, about their culture or to learn about a different culture, especially because Fresno it has such a very big Latino, Latino population. And I think it's there to kind of empower students. But I feel like what I gained from the class wasn't, it was just very like tidbit. Like, don't get me wrong, I learned uh, quite a bit from the class, but not so much about, like there wasn't any depth to the class. Mm. There was, um, it was just kind of like on paper, like there was no like I said, depth. And Mm -hmm. so I think what would have made the class better is not 
is just to go in deeper about the culture itself. Um, like I, what, from a historical perspective? Yeah, or from like a historical what, perspective mm-hmm. and just kind of as being a part of the culture. I mean, he did address a lot of issues within the culture itself, um, such as like machismo, you know, with the machismo culture and kind of, you know, how sexist it can be, but how we also have to break that if we really want that. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that about his class was that he was very progressive in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted a bit to go dive in deeper because I feel like I, I know a Chicano studies professor, you know, uh, my grandfather's friend, and I would have more engaging conversations with him when I would see mm. him about the Chicano culture. And I would learn so much from him about it was he just seemed more passionate about what he was teaching instead of, you know, just kind of like, oh, here's the outline. You just write notes all day in class and I'm just going to kind of talk to you. It wasn't mm. like it wasn't conversational based, you know, it wasn't like asking questions like what do you know about the culture itself what do you want to know like I feel like that would have made it more engaging you know mm. so he didn't talk about any political riots in the past he, or he talked a little bit he talked about um you know Dolores Huerta and Cesar Chavez he talked about you know the pachucos oh the zoot suit right yeah the zoot suit I was just gonna rights. say did yeah. he ever bring up the zoot suit right yeah he brought it the up the pachucos yeah mm-hmm. he brought it up and I actually wrote my paper on that because awesome I picked uh one of the sections for the class was to pick an art topic or like mm. an art piece, mm-hmm. and I wrote uh, my paper on the art piece of like the Zutsu rights. It was mm-hmm. it was it wasn't made when the Zutsu rights were happening. It, right. The art piece was made like during the sixties or seventies mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I've seen that art piece. Yeah, it's badass. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, he talked a lot about it, but I felt like there wasn't, like, I wanted to go a bit further back, though, you know, about, like, more, like, of what Chicano is and what, like, Latino, like, you know what I mean? Oh, to, to uh, it, you know, that's a good conversation that's happening right now uh, around the all-inclusive Latinx and Latinas and Latinos and, you know, it's not, uh, you know, where the history and the roots are. I mean, it's a very debatable discussion right now. And I think education is really trying to, you know, bring it full circle, but I don't think they know how because of the generation. That This is my yeah. opinion on the generational gaps of, uh, well, to the, the like folks like you, it's like, it, well, it doesn't mean it's inclusionary to, you know, transgender or, yeah. or you know, everybody uh, that is of Latin descent, right? Yeah, and, but also going back to, like, how Chicano came to be, he talked mm-hmm. a bit about it, but even just going into, like, the native, like, part of, like, mm-hmm. how it all, like, you know, came to be, like, the mm-hmm. both cultures. Because mm-hmm. Chicano and Latino culture, yep. a bit, they're different. Right. And so I think it was it would have been better to differentiate that in the class instead of kind of just mm. making it all one. Wow. Well, there's a, you know, dad yeah. has Graphic. a friend, yep, Armando Rendon, and he wrote the Chicano Manifesto back in the 1970s, which mm. is being debated right now into... You know, it's a blueprint for what education and Chicanos are looking at over the next 50 years. And so that is coming up now. He has a website called Somos Escritos. And you can find a lot of information that they publish Latino artists that do incorporate history and folklore uh, regarding the history of the Chicano movement and Chicanos and, and just Mexican history in general. Yeah. 
So another thing I wanted to to talk McKenna about the reason why we're talking about the you know the ethnic studies today and you know back then in uh, and I'm not I wasn't around at the time but I did go to San Francisco State go Gators and <laughs> go Gators and uh, you know back this is the 50 year uh, anniversary of the protests that happened in San Francisco State on the quad. And that's where they were fighting for ethnic studies. And it was a big ass deal. I mm-hmm. mean, there were police involved, there were uh, people getting hurt and, you know, asking for the rights of knowing their history. And we want to know our history. We don't want to be educated and whitewashed into believing that we don't exist. Mm-hmm. How do we learn about our history? And I think when we go back to school, and I'm just thinking when I was at San Francisco State, I did take the Latin American and ethnic studies courses there. And they blew my mind because even though I'm Mexican, I wanted to know the whole, like going back to the conquest of Mexico, like why we have migratory families coming across the borders from Mexico. And we all know why most of us do know why they're coming because of the political angst that has been set prior to uh, with the United States being in that area and the territory and most people don't know that so when we talk about what's happening with our folks you know our, our Latin community when we talk about the migration and the migratory families that come over to work here and we're asking for in our basic right of education to know our history, we are still fighting for that, even 50 years after. And why is that important? Because it gives us a sense of history that we can stand on to be empowered to where we want to go. Because we are educated, we are smart. If you know your history, it's going to elevate you to know where you can go and that you are empowered where you stand. And I think one of the things that was happening at San Francisco State is that once they implemented these studies, it was supposed to set a pre- you know a precedence for all colleges mm-hmm. to start to implement that. Now we're asking for it into high school. I think it's super important to have it in high school. Right. All throughout K through 12 education, we're only taught the white man's history. We're not really taught about what really happened. It's more like what everyone says. History is written by... Um, the heroes or you know what is how does it go the victors the victors Mm -hmm. exactly and so especially in high school I just remember taking a lot of boring classes about U.S. history and how you know the United States the forefathers yes of our colonies and you know when you think about the colonies and colonization you know there's some history there you know any piece you know when we talk about Latinos or Native Americans our indigenous populations that were here it's just very small it's very small and why is that because there is a genocide that happened and we want to throw that under the rug and not we I, we're saying that the population that is mandating and printing the books mm-hmm. don't want to the folks in the classroom to know that brutal history because if they did 
everybody would be standing up saying, this is not right. Mm -hmm. This is what we want. We should be advocating more for these folks. People would be up in arms. So they try to placate everything. Thanksgiving. Yes, Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Where natives and pilgrims ate together and had such a good time. Oh, it was a big party and love fest. It was a big old love fest. And at right after dinner, there was a slaughter. <laughs> My favorite. Okay, I'm gonna make a joke here, but it was awesome. You know the Adams family when mm-hmm. they go to summer camp. Oh yeah. And Wednesday. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. And Wednesday, she she gives her own version of the yeah. Thanksgiving, and she burns down all the pilgrims. <laughs> I love that. And then she canoes away, like, yeah, bitches. <laughs> I love that part of the I movie. Wish, I just want that to be a segment that plays over and over <laughs> during it's the so month of funny. November. <laughs> I know. It's only in October, though, for the Adams family. <laughs> Thank God someone can throw that in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's get back to the seriousness. And I love this topic because it really gives us all a platform to to really get out there and say, we demand to know our history in the classes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. We all come from somewhere. And the fact that we're asking for this, I think there was a big case in Arizona Oh, yeah. You know that one? I know the case where they outlawed ethnic studies. Mm-hmm. I remember because... And it's the biggest population of Latino. You know, it's only right next to Mexico. Yeah. I remember watching the <laughs> Dolores Huerta um, documentary and they played a snippet of her kind of like, well, this is stupid. You know, like she was kind of going off and they were like, whoa, you need to calm down. And she's like, no, I don't need to calm down. This is racist and wrong. I love her. I love her. She's so great. I know. Can we get a hug? we're hugging you through the airwaves here yes (laughs) um but yeah and it's just like ethnic studies is just so 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 important i Mm -hmm. feel like you know growing up i learned so much about ethnic studies through my grandfather because he was very educated in that area and i am so grateful that I know what I know because of him and because of my family members and because of, you know, my mom and you. And it's just, it it sucks that it came from, it had to come from within our family. And I feel like that's where a lot of people get their ethnic studies from is within, you know, families. And it, it should be taught in schools because... Uh, there was right, a study. because schools should be our community, yes. right? And because there was a Stanford study in 2016 that confirmed that uh, students who identify positively with their ethnic origin have a better chance of academic success. And this was um, in an article published by Latinos for Education. And so it's just very important, I feel like, because students will gain so much more, especially Latino students, by learning about their roots. Yes, absolutely. I think one of the things that I learned uh, early on was that if we don't tell our own stories or try to advocate for our own history, we're never going to get it. Mm -mm. And I think Dolores and all the women out there that are fighting and, and men for our rights to be heard, it only takes a couple people to band together to really make that happen. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to protest at college, that is the best place. In fact, that's where it always starts because your minds become open. Um, mm-hmm. I know there was a lot of uh, protests that happened when I was um, in uh, at Fresno State when 
you know, the Gulf Wars were happening because, you know, why are we fighting for oil in the, yeah. in the Gulf? And, you know, people were protesting on campus and, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, you know, here we are again, right? In, you know, going into a, a new political year and we're still fighting for things we want to know or we should have as a basic right of the majority of people and the population that's growing in the United States, specifically in California. California is the biggest state of Latinos, and we are really pushing the limits in a lot of legislation and Mm -hmm. law, which I think is amazing. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's coming up is a worker's bill, the AB5, that's coming up, which, you know, Nicole, our friend, was talking about. Mm -hmm. You'll hear more of her in another podcast that will be coming soon. And she's going to be discussing that, you know, our biggest movement we can do is to vote. And you may say, oh, I'm not voting for any one of the presidents or or the candidates or whatever. It doesn't have to be for the presidency. It has to start at the local level because when you flip at the local level, it goes all the way to the top. And that's the one thing I want, you know, everybody to take away, especially going back to school. If you feel something's not right in your school, look at the kids that all protested in L.A., when they shut down the schools because mm-hmm. of, you know, the rights that they wanted. They were protesting ICE. You know, the kids down there, they they went out into the streets. And there's a lot of power and unity. And I think that's, you know, we just have to organize. How do we organize? You educate. You get the message out. You plan. You know, you want it to be peaceful, mm-hmm. peaceful as possible. Uh, because, you know, the last thing we need, given everything that's happening, is people to go bananas. And, you know, it becomes something that we don't want out there in the streets. Yeah. So tell me, um, McKenna, when you're on campus at Fresno State, it's a highly populated athletic college. And yeah. there is a lot of agricultural there mm-hmm. uh, uh, courses. And, go Bulldogs. Um, <laughs> go Bulldogs. And go uh, the uh, enology program there. Yes, I do like the wine that they They make. have a really great enology <laughs> program. Enology is the making of wine, folks, if uh, mm-hmm. you don't know. And uh, it is a very science-based course. Yes. Uh, lots of science there, but uh, it sure is delicious. Mm-hmm. So uh, going back to the athletics and the agricultural uh, studies that are there, mm-hmm. why do you think a lot of courses are not integrated into ethnic studies given that we are very much into the agricultural system and also into you know the athletic programs? I think it just starts to the professors who are either running the program or the course or even just the professors themselves in the classroom. A lot of them are white males, Mm. you know, so a lot of them don't know about different cultures. They can take a class and say, well, I know about this, but it's like you you need to know more. You need mm-hmm. to be there for your, your students. And I know a lot of professors just kind of like, I'm just here to get paid and teach, you know, it's your job. Really? To- you think that 
I, do you get I think there are a lot of professors who are really passionate about what they do, and mm-hmm. I look on rate my professor to you know look at look Hello, at the professors rate I'm my taking. Professor.com. I look at their their <laughs> points. Like, okay, who has a five? Who has a four? Who has See, a that's two? A, that is a perfect example of community coming together and yeah. saying, hey, why why can't we understand it's the Yelp of it, professors? Yes, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's really good. So all my professors have been really good. They all have great reviews. So I'm really happy about that this upcoming semester. But I just think it, it stems from the lack of knowledge that they have and about, you know, ethnic studies and about culture and about, you know, different people. And I think also at Fresno State, I mean, it's a vi- it's one of the most diverse schools in California and that's what they pride themselves on. But I think what's most important is if you're the most diverse school, you should be encouraging more ethnic studies to keep those ethnic students in school because, you know, that's what's going to keep them in there. That like knowing where they come from and, you know, if they can get excited about going to that class, it'll help them go to other classes. It'll it'll make them want to be there and want mm-hmm. to learn because not only are they learning about their culture and who they are and where they come from, they can learn about what they can become, mm-hmm. you know? So if they, they're like, exactly. oh, wow, the Aztecs came up with the the idea of zero it's like wow maybe i should go into math you know or the architecture or architecture or science or you know science Mm -hmm. you know it's just or communications Mm -hmm. or art or you know there's so many Mm -hmm. different areas of success that people can strive towards right and i think that ethnic studies needs to be incorporated a lot more in not only just you know in the in the department and i know it's a lot of students job to sign up for those courses but a lot of students don't know like when to take it or you know i mean it's part of the your ge requirement and a lot of students want to minor in it but i think it needs to be encouraged more than just here's ge options you know mhm no i think you bring up a good point i think that every student that is taking a course I mean, this is, again, my yeah. opinion, that they should take, if there is an ethnic studies class uh, that is relational to their immediate community or the mm-hmm. population, they should be required to take that class. And it should be by somebody that is very astute in the history and the knowledge mm-hmm. and that is wanting to educate yeah. Um, and what it means, because mm-hmm. this is the same exact conversations we're having with tech companies here, mm-hmm. incorporating diversity and inclusion, because when we want to unpack those issues with people in tech that are hiring or at the C-suite or at the higher levels of these tech corporations, it's the same thing. They don't understand when they bring in people of color, you know, what is it that they have you know, mm-hmm. what is it that they're doing that is not engaging them to yeah. want to stay, to be a uh, productive employee? Mm-hmm. Or why do, why do people keep turning? They come in and they believe this is a culture of change, mm-hmm. you know, uh, FYI, uh, social media platform. And then it becomes like, oh, hey, it's something completely different. Mm-hmm. And people get upset and they say, this isn't me. This isn't what I believe in. I yeah. believed in your message. I believed in what you were going to give people 
as something to democratize everybody having a, a space and you know giving them a voice and that's not what's happening mm-hmm. we're turning into products yeah. instead of you know being the you know uh, influencer of you know how we can benefit from society in this product so it's the same conversations we're having in corporations that we're having in schools yeah and i think the more we push for these issues in these arenas of where we we need and we want to have these historical and you know very engaging conversations we're not trying to pit people against one another we're saying hey i know enough about you man i know way more about you than i know about my own culture i want to know more about my culture than i do about yours and i think it should be integrated in how we work together yeah it's not that i i don't want to know any more about you or i'm trying to push you away mm-hmm. it's how do we build a unifying uh, you know, uh, working environment together. And so, communities. And communities. And I know it sounds like utopia and, you know, kumbaya or whatever people are thinking like, oh, that's never going to happen. But even but even if you look at what, um, remember during the summer we went to the Homies Empowerment Dinner? Yes. It's not a utopia, but it's definitely progress and it's definitely work right. and it's definitely admirable because, you know, what was his name again? I can't remember. Dr. His- Cesar Cruz, yes. Homies Empowerment, East Oakland. Awesome organization. So awesome. And it started and they were able, it was started through, you know, knowing ethnic studies and teaching kids. Yes. And, you know. He started his own school, yeah. his own school for homies. So when we're talking about going back to school, he started his own school because he saw he is a Harvard PhD and he did so much research and he saw that they were cast outs. And we're talking about juvenile delinquents that, you know, and they moved into incarceration. So, you know, the whole cradle to oh school uh school to prison pipeline yes Is that what the school to prison pipeline you know they fell out and they were ended up in the juvenile system or they got incarcerated and when they come back how do you integrate them into this into mm-hmm. society when they have no education he started this education out in East Oakland where it's a healing program of learning and, you know, healing yourself because you have to heal yourself first in mm-hmm. what you've been through, the trauma of your history, and then learning what you can do to build those skills. So when we talk about knowing your history and feeling empowered, this is what he's doing out in East Oakland. And, and it's amazing. It's totally amazing. Just walking into the room you feel everyone's positivity and their confidence in who they are and in their culture and wanting to right. know more or just you know helping others learn more and it's just so amazing and that is because he's coming from an ancestral spiritual perspective mm-hmm. you know he's coming from you know I am a colonized person I have a Spanish last name you know, I speak Spanish, which is from Spain. You know, my I speak English, which is also mm-hmm. European and English. And here, you know, I don't know the last seven generations of my family. Last right? name, yeah. My family's last name or what their mother tongue was. But I'm trying to learn that. But most white folks can retrace their, you know, their lineage all the 10 way. generations, 12 right. generations. And it's because we've been separated, broken. And this is like a military tactic, too, yeah. when you think about it. So 
making a full circle back to homies empowerment where Cesar is saying, let's heal spiritually, learn together. You know, he's just doing it on bare bones and the community coming together. And Mm -hmm. it is totally amazing. He's buying part of the block in East Oakland so it doesn't get gentrified. So when we talk about the community coming together, he's raising money on his own. The community is giving him money. He does these events of, you know, he's trying to do a school of design for uh within homies empowerment which they won a huge grant for which he uses that money to reinvest into homies empowerment and the east oakland community so you know uh big shout out to dr cesar cruz and homies empowerment for the education that he's providing here in the community and he's creating his own education to integrate you know those that that feel you know they they have no place Mm -hmm. in society so that I think that's great. So when we talk about education, and this is the theme for our podcast, going back to school and all the miseducation that we tend to mm-hmm. see and, you know, where is our history? This is where we want to come to learn and share this experience and that you can ask for these things and you can organize and be the movement to ask for what your history was in the schools that you are going to. It's your education, it's your money, and you have every damn right to ask for that. Right? Oh, heck yeah, I agree with you. I agree. All right. So I think on that note, I you know, we could go on and talk about this forever, but I, I want to circle back and say that this is a time that is a politically heightened year or past few years, and everybody's going back to school. And I want to say, I hope everyone out there stays safe, be aware, stay educated, always be learning. That's what I like Mm -hmm. to say. And this is a podcast where I want to talk to a lot of guest speakers who want to share their stories about their community and where we can engage in conversations to lift each other up and to pay it forward or to find those resources or to let you know that we see you, that you can stand in your empowerment. Don't be afraid to make that move. Mm -hmm. You know, do it in numbers. Numbers always matter. Do your movement in numbers. Try not to do it alone. And in the next coming podcast that we will have and our guest speakers talking about how to, you know, make yourself more visible in the arenas of professionalism and how you want to gain access so that we can move forward in a legacy fashion of building with our families and communities so that we can prosper in the future. Mm -hmm. So with that, McKenna, I want to end our podcast. Okay. I just want to thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I want to give a shout out to Fresno State. You're a really good school. Love the diversity of it all. Keep doing what you're doing. We love the Enology program. Enology, yes. (laughs) All all the programs that are great. What are you talking about? They're all great right so uh you can find us again please subscribe to the podcast uh platforms which is 
Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, iRadio, but also please visit us on our website, which is Latinas B2B, where you can also find our episodes and subscribe to our newsletter, which we will talk about upcoming guests. We will talk about events in the area or where we will be traveling to get this message out uh, at conventions and speaking engagements. And as always, if you would like some services or you'd like to inquire about how we can work together, you can always fill out some information on the website and I will get back to you. This is Teresa Tietere. Thank you for listening to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. <laughs>